The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. Here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show, and the show that's all about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria's off today, but she's promised to come back. She's got to. It's so so empty, so cavernous in here without the lady sitting over there uh, giving me grief. So uh, she'll be back soon. You can enjoy, by the way, uh, a podcast of this or any program through our website, thereisaseasonshow.com. As soon as we finish this, there is the seasonshow.com. You can also catch it on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app, many other platforms. Just look for There is a Season and Today's Date. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback about this and any There is a Season program. Just drop us a note, please, at Bob and Gloria at There is a Seasonshow.com. Uh, or when you visit our site, you can fill out the handy contact form right there. It's under In Touch on that tab. So, you know, a lot of the time we talk on this program about challenges and hardships and life change and all that. And of course, our goal is to really get into the nitty gritty of living life and to engage you with topics that are everyday concerns. Also hope that you can plan for the future. We hope each week we cover what is most essential about a given topic and that we share the resources and our insights and maybe some inspiration as you walk your own journey and deal with a lot of these things. But today, we're going to indulge a bit. We're going to have a little extra fun. We're going to talk about thanks and tradition and about food. Yes, glorious food, the feast, the Thanksgiving meal. Source of stress, source of suspense for some families, but hopefully and most of all, source of celebration. Now, Gloria would tell you, as just about anybody who knows me would tell you, I love to eat. I'm, you know, I'm hearing people shocked all over the area. He loves to eat. And Thanksgiving obviously presents a wonderful opportunity to do just that. We are so fortunate in this country. So many of us have so much. And we, of course, need to remember and welcome those who have less. But on that day that we give thanks for our blessings and enjoy the big meal, we know that so much effort goes into the culinary delights and so much history has also gone into those dinner table treasures. But where did they start? Why do we eat what we do? Certainly you're in a situation that's passed on some tradition. You've been to Thanksgiving before. Maybe your family did things a certain way for a long time. Well, many families did things way before your family came along probably. And the question is why? Why why did people eat this stuff? I'm going to tell you some of that today. But as I share some of that history, I'd like you to think about what you enjoy about Thanksgiving and also share it with us today. I'd like to hear about your family's traditions, past and present. What special thing do you do on Thanksgiving Day? And also, what do you like to eat on the big day? And if we have time, I'd like to also hear what you don't like to eat but are afraid to say. 
So four five seven twelve ninety to join me today in that conversation. Nine three seven four five seven twelve ninety from any place in the area. So I went digging to try to find out, you know, what, what about some of these uh, these various dishes and so forth that we we just sort of throw down on the table come Thanksgiving. Every family's a little bit different, maybe tweaks this and that. I found out a couple of things that uh, I grew up eating that so far anybody around here hasn't really told me they they do that for Thanksgiving, and, and maybe you'll have one of those too. But why do we do this? Well, there's a, there's a neat article on this um, by an author named Garrett Williams, and he says Halloween is for candy comas. And, of course, on Independence Day, we grill. But no holiday is as completely defined by its cuisine as Thanksgiving. No matter what part of the country you're in, it's a safe bet that at least a few of the dishes we're going to talk about here will make an appearance at your table this week. But what makes these entrees and side dishes so emblematic of Thanksgiving? Why are they associated with that date? Well, let's discover the sometimes surprising history behind your favorite fall comfort foods. Now, turkey, of course, seems to be the thing, right? You know, we associate that bird, that form of fowl, with this holiday. And turkey has become so synonymous with Thanksgiving that most of us probably imagine the pilgrims and the Wampanoag tribe of Native Americans chowing down on a roast bird way back in 1621. Of course, we don't know the exact menu on that first Plymouth Colony feast. We don't have a first-person account of that year's harvest. But we do have some records, according to William Bradford, who was the first governor, and they reference a great store of wild turkeys. And another first-person account that talks about Settlers killing as much fowl and served the company almost a week. However, culinary historian Kathleen Wall believes that, although turkeys were available, it's more likely that duck, goose, and even passenger pigeons, I know, the passenger pigeon just doesn't sound that great to me, but you know, if you're hungry, they were probably much more prominent uh, poultry options at the first Thanksgiving. And given their proximity to the Atlantic, local seafood like oysters and lobsters were probably on the menu as well. As the holiday grew in popularity, however, turkey became the main course for reasons more practical than symbolic. English settlers were accustomed to eating fowl on holidays, but for nearly, but, excuse me, for, but for early Americans, chickens were more valued for their eggs than their meat. And rooster was tough and unappetizing. So let that be a a note to you. Don't go out and get rooster this week. Meanwhile, turkeys were easy to keep, big enough to feed a whole family, and cheaper than ducks or geese. Even before Thanksgiving was recognized as a national holiday, Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton himself remarked that, quote, no citizen of the U.S. shall refrain from turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe that was one of our first laws. I don't know. The country followed his advice, and according to the National Turkey Federation, 88% of Americans will eat turkey in some form on Thanksgiving Day. That's unbelievable. An estimated 44 million birds gobble gobble. So turkey is, you know, kind of like the the staple, right? Everyone puts the big bird in there. We've got some more information and stories about bird bird preparation and other uh, turkey matters uh, in, in a moment. Now, another big one here is stuffing. Okay? Stuffing which I learned just recently was something that kind of traumatized my daughter for years. Because I and think about this. Kids wouldn't know this until you told them. She was under the impression that stuffing was the guts of the bird because it was, you know, in the bird. Well, 
I, uh, I had to, you know, change her mind on all that. So I think I've opened up entire new horizons of Thanksgiving enjoyment for her. And so if your kid doesn't know what stuffing is, now's the time. Let them in on the big story. Stuffing would have been a familiar concept to those early settlers, however, although their version was likely quite different from what we're used to. We know that the first Plymouth colonists didn't have access to white flour or butter, so traditional bread stuffing wouldn't have been possible yet. Instead, according to historians, they may have used chestnuts, herbs, and chunks of onion to flavor the birds, all of which were already part of the local fare. Centuries later, we're still stuffing turkeys as a way to keep the birds moist through the roasting process and add extra flavor. Well, of course, some people are stuffing the turkeys and some people are not. So I'm going to ask you, you know, questions here when we go to the break in a moment. But the burning question, first burning question of the day, you like your stuffing stuffed or do you like it from a bowl? <laughs> Is it another tray right there on top of the stove made separately or do you like it from the bowl. So that's turkey and stuffing, two big things that a lot of us like on uh, Thanksgiving Day. And we're talking today about the food, but I'm also interested in other traditions and, and reasons you're thankful today. So four, five, seven, twelve, ninety. When we um, when we get to the break, there. Okay, here's a big one now: cranberries. Like turkeys, cranberries are widely widely available in the area, but cranberry sauce almost certainly did not make an appearance at the first Thanksgiving. And why not? Well, the sugar reserves the colonists would have had were almost completely depleted after their long sea journey. And thus, they didn't have the means to sweeten the terrifically tart berries. I was trying to describe the taste of cranberry to somebody. And it, it is that tartness and, and a little bit of sweetness there, too, to make it work, right? So how did cranberries become such an autumnal staple? Well, for starters... They're a truly American food. As one of the only fruits, along with Concord grapes, blueberries, and pawpaws, that originated in North America. They grow in such abundance in the Northeast, particularly where the pilgrims were, that colonists quickly began incorporating cranberries into various dishes, such as pemmican, which mixed mashed cranberries with lard and dried venison. Yum! Um, cranberries, lard, and dried venison. By the Civil War, they were such a holiday staple that General Grant, that's Ulysses S., famously demanded his soldiers be provided cranberries for their Thanksgiving Day meal. So second burning question of the day, cranberry sauce. <clears throat> from a can, that long cylinder that you just pour out and slice that kids love, or again, from some dish or a bowl? That's the second burning question that I'd like you to think about today as we go through our various culinary treats from Thanksgiving Day. Okay, we got one time, time for one more here. Mashed potatoes, <clears throat> they weren't available in 17th century Plymouth, so how did mashed potatoes become another Thanksgiving superstar? The answer lies in the holiday itself. In America's earliest years, it was common for the sitting president to declare a national day of thanks. But these were sporadic and irregular. In 1817, New York became the first state to officially adopt the holiday, while others soon followed suit. But Thanksgiving wasn't a national day of celebration until Abe Lincoln declared it in 1863. So why did Lincoln, with his hands full of an ongoing war, take up the cause? Well, it was largely due to a 36-year-old, uh, excuse me, a 36-year campaign from Sarah Josepha Hale, a prolific novelist, poet, and editor who saw in Thanksgiving a moral benefit for families and communities. In addition to her frequent appeals to officials, 
Um, and the president's Hale wrote compellingly about the holiday in her 1827 novel, Northwood. Her writing included recipes and descriptions of idealized Thanksgiving meals, which often featured, you guessed it, mashed potatoes. See, we're starting to unravel the mystery. Why do we eat these things? Where did they come from? Where did the tradition start? It's all about thanks and the food today, folks. What are the origins of our favorite Thanksgiving dishes? Perhaps you've got one in your family that's a little different uh, than someone else's. Uh, What do you like to eat on Thanksgiving? And what do you wish would disappear from the Thanksgiving table? You can share it all with us here today. Also, why are you giving thanks this year at all? What makes you grateful this time of year? 457-1290-937-457-1290 when we continue. And up next, turkey conundrums and other mysteries. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf. We're talking turkey today. We're talking about all things Thanksgiving, why people are grateful this time of year. What are the fine dishes that fill your table or that you remember filling your table as you grew up? Maybe things you liked or didn't like uh, on there. Um, we're talking about all that today, so uh, feel free to connect, 457-1290. Now, one of the things that we've talked about on the show before, and this has been around a long time, over 30 years, is the Butterball Hotline. And there's some cute things on here. Some of these aren't that, that uh, you know, surprising, but other ones are kind of funny. So uh, these are some stories. The Butterball Hotline has is, is been around. People can call in. Uh, sometimes people who are new making a turkey their first Thanksgiving or people run into problems and so forth. And there's this helpful team of people to um, get you through the crisis. Well, one woman was getting worried her turkey had been in the oven for seven hours and was still only 140 degrees. Butterball recommends cooking it to 165 or 180 degrees. The talk line operator figured there's no way it was still undercooked and asked the caller to take it out of the oven and try carving it. Suddenly, there was a burst of laughter in the background when she went to pick up the turkey and put it on the carving board. The whole thing just disintegrated into pieces. It wasn't that the turkey wasn't done. It was that the thermometer wasn't working and it had just been cooked until it was practically falling apart. So compare this with any kind of trauma you've had in the past. Another one here. A mother in Kentucky had followed Butterball's instructions for roasting a turkey and everything seemed to be going smoothly. The bird came out of the oven golden brown, but there was a strange bright red color when she started to carve it. Turns out her son had helped her season the turkey with Legos. Legos, those little plastic toys. Um, Anyway, the mom wanted to know if it was still safe to eat. You know, you can wash Legos um, in a washing machine. I'm not sure cooking them. I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but if you want to know the answer to that question, just call the Butterball hotline, as I'm sure a lot of people will. Love to know your thoughts and your traditions. Let's welcome Doug to the program. Doug, you still there? How you and doing? There was a, a commentary on this, Danielle Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. And her 1387 WordPress says, pay attention to every word, high school girl target for marketing in a forced arranged marriage with traffickers, 
although we're all here together, there's very little chance he'll interact with each other in front of him being isolated in a arranged marriage. They're high um, hyper-aggressive gangsters. They dictate my look. What, what, I'm to say. what, what are you talking about? You, you, I, you mentioned a $5,000 turkey? Oh, well, in the Chicago backdrop, in the YouTube uploads, there's a Judge Guzman says there's enough on the tapes of us he's going to flee to Brazil or false arrest. Okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where Doug's going with all that. Uh, anyway, if you've got a thought or, or a, a memory about Thanksgiving, 457-1290. When we were going through the first segment, we were talking about various items that are prepared for the, uh, the meal. And I mentioned turkey, I mentioned stuffing, I mentioned mashed potatoes. Well, one of the other ones is gravy, of course. Despite the dearth of potatoes, it's likely that some type of gravy accompanied the turkey or venison at the earliest Thanksgiving gatherings. The concept of cooking meat in sauces dates back hundreds of years, and the word gravy itself can be found in a cookbook from 1390. Because that first celebration extended over three days, historians speculate that they have no doubt whatsoever birds were roasted one day, the remains of them are thrown in a pot and boiled up to make broth the next day. That broth would then be thickened with grains to create a gravy to liven the day-old meat. So what does this all sound like? It sounds suspiciously like the beginning of another great Thanksgiving tradition. Leftovers. <laughs> you wondered where it came from. After the football, they had gravy and other good stuff. What are your thoughts, 457-1290? What did you grow up liking at the dinner table? What did you not like? I'll tell you one thing that we have not had in our table since I've been in Ohio, turnip, turnips. I grew up on those back in Connecticut, and everyone looks at me funny going, what, you actually ate that stuff? I'd love to know what was on your table and what you liked and didn't like, and also what you're thankful for this year. It's all about the food. We've got seconds and thirds for you if you promise to stick around. What do we eat on the big day? 457-1290, and we'll continue right after the news with the discussion. Love to hear from you. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season with Bob and Gloria, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria's off today. We're talking turkey. We're talking all about the bird and other things that you might find on your dinner table come Thanksgiving. What are the things that you like best? What are those things that maybe your family does that other people don't do? Uh, what, what are the things you don't like to see up there? I mentioned going into the break that I had turnip growing up. Uh, and I always thought, okay, we got two kind of orangey things, the sweet potatoes. And there was another question. We're going to get to that here in a minute. I'll have another burning question for you. But what, what did you like to have for uh, Thanksgiving? And uh, what could you, you know, rather have avoided perhaps as a kid? Maybe there was something you didn't like. And we'll come back to all that in just a moment. Medicare planning of Dayton, as you've heard in this program, well, it is the region's resource center for all things Medicare. I encourage you to contact the team at Medicare Planning of a Dayton for a no-cost consultation. We're right still in the annual election period here. Give them a call. They've got the right approach. They've got the experience. It's not going to cost you anything. They will listen to you and your needs. 504-9999. That's 504-9999. Or MedicarePlanningofDayton.com. And please tell them Bob and Gloria sent you. Now, one of the other things we're covering here as we talk about food are some adventures that uh, some people have had when they've uh, set out to make the big meal. And the Butterball Turkey Hotline is, is something that's been around for about 30 years where people call sometimes in a panic saying, well, no, what do I do here, right? And so we've got a couple of those stories here for you today. Um, 
Here's one. Uh, after discovering a turkey from 1969 in his dad's freezer, <laughs> landed on the moon that year, right? Mets won the World Series. Jets won the Super Bowl. A lot of things happened in 1969. An Alabama man called the Butterball Hotline to ask about the best way to cook the 30-plus-year-old bird. Of course, we're 50 years out now, right? Although the talk line staffer recommended the open roasting pan method to cook most turkeys, this time she suggested that the first step was to purchase fresher fowl. Also in this gentleman's freezer, the top of his wedding cake, and a snowball from every snowstorm he'd experienced in Alabama. So uh, what do we have now? The American Pickers Show and the Hoarders Show. Some people save their turkey, right? Uh, Here's another one. Um, uh, Perhaps you've heard this one before. A father in charge of thawing the turkey and bathing his toddler twins decided to hit two birds, no pun intended, with one stone. We could hear water splashing in the background, uh, says the uh, person on the talk line uh, at Butterball. And it turns out as his kids were in the tub, the turkey was also in the tub being thawed at the same time time. The man called to find out if the bathwater would be an acceptable method for thawing the turkey. And I think it had something to do with whether or not the package had been, oh, oh I can't even go there. Just, just men don't do these things. Okay. Just men, women, whatever. Don't, don't just don't mix bathing and turkeys together. Four, five, seven, 1290. You got any stories of your own you want to share? Any, uh, disasters that you've had perhaps in the prep- preparation phase, uh, or maybe some things that uh, you really liked about Thanksgiving, or things that you couldn't stand about Thanksgiving. Let's welcome Dan to the program. Dan, welcome to There is a Season. Hello. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hey. Um, there's a little gap there. Um, this is Dan uh, Miller and Dayton. Yes. Uh, we've had Thanksgiving at our house the last, oh gosh, 35 years, huge event, 35, 40 people, wow. all comers. Uh, my wife and I do the whole thing starting early in the morning. There's always there's two things. One is there's always a controversy on my wife's side of the family. They like to use a cheesecloth on the turkey and baste it every 20 minutes. And on my side, it's like, just leave it alone. <laughs> you know? It's like every time you open the oven, you lose the heat. I had so, But some, she wins. She wins. So. Something in that butterball uh, uh, information that I have here says yeah. they recommend, well, you know I think you baste it once. It's, she wins because we've been we're in our forty fifth year of marriage. She wins. She's right. always right. There's got to be a general in in life and a general in the kitchen. That's right. Certainly. And the second thing is, um, we deep fry turkeys. We oven, you know, bake turkeys. But my specialty that I've been doing probably the last fifteen years is a smoked salmon dish, which wow. is to die for because it's marinated the night before in a in a cider brine. It's smoked on a real smoker. And I have a glaze that uh, nobody else uses in the planet. But oh, I, man. And it's, it's incredible. It's made out of peach schnapps and oranges. Oh, my goodness. And it's, you reduce it down to a thick goo slowly and paint that baby up after it all comes out. And, man, it is the best thing on the planet. Well, you know, I can pace myself this week, Dan. And, and you know, if you've got any time, I'll uh, take your number and your address offline. <laughs> I'll be by yeah. a sample. <laughs> I've given that recipe to so many people, and I even... Uh, Dieter Krug, who, used, who is now deceased, he had the uh, LeBerge restaurant. I made it for him one time. He gave me five stars. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's so tremendous. I, I can't complain. It's, it, it works every year. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you want it, give it, I'll be glad to pass it out to anybody. I've hey, done just, it many times. Why don't you write yeah. us at Bob and Gloria at There is a Season Show, and I'll, I'll put it up there. All right. Okay, there's a seasonshow.com. 
Thanks very much. Say that again. Bob and Gloria. Yeah. Just write it all out, Bob and Gloria, at thereisaseasonshow.com. At theresaseason. Okay. Great. And we'll share that, okay? Okay. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it, Dan. Bye. Take care. Bye. So we're talking about turkey and other things that you like to eat. Uh, at the holiday, before uh, before we got to the news, we were talking about how a lot of people have turkey and stuffing and cranberries and mashed potatoes and gravy and so forth. Uh, some people have disasters making these things, and we'll hear about a couple others in, in a moment. Here, but here's another big one, right? Corn. Corn is a natural symbol of harvest season. Even if you're not serving it as a side dish, you might have a few colorful ears as a table centerpiece, Right. We know that corn was a staple of the Native American diet and would have been nearly as plentiful in the 17th century as it is today. Uh, But according to the History Channel, their version would have been prepared quite differently. Corn was either made into a cornmeal bread or mashed and boiled into a thick porridge-like consistency and perhaps sweetened with molasses. Perhaps that was the origin of creamed corn. Hmm? Today we eat corn in part to remember those Wampanoag hosts. My high school was on Wampanoag Drive. It's all coming together now. Anyway, who famously taught that newcomers how to cultivate the crops in the unfamiliar American soil. So up to now, we've had some burning questions, right? One burning question was, do you like your cranberry sauce poured out of a can in that nice, uh, perfect cylinder? Or do you like it in a bowl with chunks of fruit and so forth? Uh, That was one burning question. Another burning question was, do you like your stuffing right out of the bird? Or do you like that also made separately in a bowl? And here's a third burning question. Creamed or regular for your corn or both? That's, uh, that's one of the things that's very, very popular uh, come uh, Thanksgiving. Now, here's another one. Here's the, here's the orange that most people are familiar with, the darker, uh, richer colored orange. And that's sweet potatoes, right? In the midst of so many New England traditions, the sweet potatoes on your table represent a dash of African-American culture. The tasty taters originally became popular in the South. While pumpkins grew well in the North, sweet potatoes and the pies they could make became a standard in Southern homes and with the enslaved plantation workers down there who used them as a substitution for the yams they'd loved in their homeland. Sweet potato pie was also lovingly described in Hale's uh, various Thanksgiving epistles, solidifying the regional favorite as a holiday go-to. More recently, some families further sweetened the dish, and I do remember this, by adding toasted marshmallows on the top. I mean, kids love that. If you've never had it, it's, it's out of this world. Uh, now, some people say, you know, I love it, I hate it, whatever. I loved it, okay? You know, you got the nice sweet potatoes going there and the marshmallows right on the top, and you got to get one of those top scoop servings when you're doing it. Anyway, so corn and sweet potatoes, other staples of the meal. What was on your table? Uh, I mentioned before that I got gypped out of turnip when I moved to Ohio. Years ago, of course, you know, people say, well, what, what do you mean chipped out of turnip? Turnip's not that great, right? I, I liked it. I was a weird kid. I, I, I liked the turnip. The other thing that uh, I had uh, growing up that I've not seen uh, too much was I think my grandma used to make creamed onions, small onions, and they were in some kind of a cream. Hey, you know, hey, it's, it's what people did. But uh, if you've got something from another part of the country or from another tradition, we'd love to hear that today, 457-1290. Now, here's one I've seen a lot, very popular. Um, and as I recall, I don't remember having this too much growing up. I grew up on the East Coast, but I, I don't remember having it a lot there, but I do remember having it since I've been out here in Ohio, and that is green bean casserole. Beans have been cultivated since ancient times, but green bean casserole is a decidedly modern contribution to the classic Thanksgiving canon. The recipe you probably know was whipped up in 1955 
by Dorcas Riley, a home economist working in the Campbell's Soup Company test kitchens in Camden, New Jersey. Riley's job was to create limited ingredient recipes. Doesn't that sound sweet, right? So you don't have to have 12 different things to put in there. Limited ingredient recipes that housewives could quickly replicate using Campbell's products, of course. Her original recipe, still available at Campbell's.com, contains just six ingredients. Campbell's cream of mushroom soup, green beans, milk, soy sauce, pepper, and French's French fried onions. Her recipe was featured in a 1955 Associated Press feature about Thanksgiving, and the association has proven surprisingly durable. Campbell's now estimates that 30% of their cream of mushroom soup is bought specifically for use in the green bean casserole. I wonder if the product manager for the cream of mushroom uh, division or or line in, in Campbell's ever dreamed that things could be so great. So corn, sweet potatoes, green bean casserole, we're talking about them here. What's on your list of things uh, to enjoy for the holiday? Now, of course, there's other traditions too. Uh, some of these are, are big, some of these are smaller. Some people put a nice you know, cloth or a center table, uh, we mentioned a centerpiece before, but a nice uh, uh, table cloth down the middle of the table, maybe a runner, and it's got, you know, sometimes people will write things that they're thankful for that year. That's a nice tradition that I've heard in the past, and maybe you've got one like that. Uh, others, of course, we have turkey trot races. We've got football that a lot of people do. We've got wonderful parades. Uh, and other kinds of things that happen that day. I love watching the parades. Uh, you don't get to see a, a really good parade with big inflatables and all that kind of stuff very often. Uh, what are your traditions? Four, five, seven, twelve, ninety. Let's welcome Carol to the program. How you doing, Carol? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. What was your What was your tradition that you really liked for Thanksgiving? Well, my mom and my grandmother, everybody made a mince pie, mince meat pie. Oh yeah. And and it's hard to find it now. The only it's hard to find them in grocery stores. But I make a variation that's cranberry mint, and um, and then you have a, a whip, a eggnog whipped cream you put on top of it. But it's so good. And even now you'll go to the grocery store and ask them, and nobody's heard of it. But um, mince pie is just a tra- German tradition. Now, see, I remember good. I remember hearing about that and seeing it when I was a kid. Of course, I was used to you know apple pie, cherry pie, maybe pumpkin pie. And somebody said mince meat pie, and I'll tell you, I ran the other way. (laughs) And there actually is a little bit of meat in it. Um, It's got raisins and currants and things, and there is a little bit of pork in it. My grandmother actually cooked the mince meat, but you can just buy it in a jar, (laughs) pour it in right now. That's what I do. I use a jar. Mince meat pie. (laughs) Yeah. Do you make any other pies also? Oh, yes. Pumpkin and pecan. But uh, the cranberry mince is always my special request. I have to make another one for leftovers in the morning. <laughs> oh, excellent. Excellent. Okay, well, that's a great tradition. I'm sure a lot of people have, have also got the mince meat, uh, at least yeah. of a certain generation. As you say, maybe you can't find it nowadays, but uh, yeah. some people remember Bring how back. to do it. <laughs> Bring back the mince meat. Well, have a, th- have a great Thanksgiving. Appreciate you calling. Okay, thank Take you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We were talking today also about the calls into the Butterball hotline. Well, here's some other things. A disappointed woman called wondering why her turkey had no breast meat. After a conversation with a talk line operator at Butterball, it became apparent that the woman's turkey was lying on the table upside down. Okay. You know, there's, there's basics to everything, right? Basics. Here's one. It's called Snow Day. A lady from Colorado called the Butterball hotline about how to thaw her frozen Butterball. 
She proudly shared the fact that her turkey was stored in a snowbank outside. It had snowed the night before, and when it dawned on her that, uh, when the dawn came, it dawned on her that she didn't have a clue which snowbank her turkey was in. At that point, the conversation was really over because the mission had obviously changed. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? You're, you're thawing this turkey, you go, you stick it out overnight. You wake up the next day and, and, and everything looks different. What do you tell people? <laughs> Everyone's on their way to the house. Um, um, we're going to go on a scavenger hunt. Here's one more here before the break. Wash, rinse, and never repeat. A first-time Thanksgiving chef called Marge uh, uh, heard this phone call. No, excuse me. A first-time Thanksgiving chef called Marge, who's a 20-year talk line veteran, uh, this lady was so proud to have thawed the turkey successfully and continued to rinse the turkey to clean it off with dish soap. The turkey wouldn't stop sudsing. And uh, if she had called a little earlier, she would have found out you don't have to rinse the turkey. You just pat it dry with paper towel. You're going to cook the thing. Come on. Come on. Work with me here. <laughs> Next thing you know, people will be in there with Ajax or Comet scrubbing it up for that that orange soap you use in the garage and so four five seven twelve ninety. If you've got a, a memory you'd like to share, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more here about food and traditions and so forth and what you're thankful for, and uh, also maybe a peek at what's coming up next on There Is a Season. Thank you for being with us today. We're back with more after the break. You're listening to There Is a Season on twelve ninety and ninety five seven WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. Gloria will be back. I promise you she's going to be back with us here very soon. We've been talking about uh, Turkey Day coming up here, Thanksgiving, and uh, various dishes and what their origin were and so forth. We've got some other programs coming your way here. You might want to write some of these down. Why most Americans don't have enough in their retirements and some steps you can still take now to change that. Is there a cold civil war going on in our country? What are we talking about by that? Are people lining up and taking sides? We're also going to talk about the role of faith in America today, physical therapy 101, careers later in life, and a show about purpose called Blind, but not to the possibilities. All of that is coming your way on There is a Season. We had been going through these various uh, uh, foods and so forth, and we had uh, one mentioned by Carol about mincemeat pie. Well, pumpkin pie is very common for folks, and like cranberries, pumpkin pie does have its ties to the original Thanksgiving but in a different format. The colonists certainly knew how to make pie pastry, but couldn't have replicated it without wheat flour and might have been a bit perplexed by pumpkins, which were bigger than the gourds they knew in Europe. Think about that. We take pumpkins for granted. They didn't know what they were about. According to Eating in America, a history, Native Americans were already using the orange treats as a dessert meal. Both squash and pumpkin were baked, usually by being placed whole in the ashes or embers of a dying fire, and they were moistened afterwards with some form of animal fat or maple syrup or honey. It's likely that people were inspired by these stories, and pumpkin pie soon appeared in their uh, culinary menu. So that's something to think about. A couple more butterball things for you here. The Great Turkey Expansion, a new bride cooking Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in a small apartment-sized oven, wanted to make sure her turkey wouldn't expand during cooking. She was concerned that it would do so. 
uh, like baked goods do. Okay, State Bird, when a talk line staffer asked a caller what state her turkey was in, meaning how thought it was, the turkey, uh, the caller responded with Florida. Okay, that's that's very helpful. Uh, and finally, a proud gentleman called to tell the staff how he wrapped his turkey in a towel and stomped on it several times, breaking the bones so it would fit in his pan. You know, anything that works is, is all I got to say. All right, so um, I'm going to leave you with one thought here, one quote for today. If the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. And that comes from Meister Eckhart. Thoughts about Thanksgiving. And that's all the time we have today. That's going to do it for us. Remember, dear friends, seek grace, be grateful in every step, and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other, and we're here for you, for my dear friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, our producers, and everyone else who makes the show possible. Thank you for your time and attention and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. Check out the website, thereisaseasonshow.com. You've been listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7. WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.